My dear friends in Jesus, today we celebrate the risen Jesus. Christ our Lord is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Today is universally held to be a day of joy and happiness. Look about you. Everyone in this sanctuary ought to have a big smile on their face. Young and old, male and female. For today is the day we celebrate our deliverance from sin and death. Jesus has completed his mission on earth by conquering these two universal enemies of mankind. And the entire creation is now reconciled to God. This is so profound that it has traveled over into the popular culture of virtually all nations. Many, many non-Christian people celebrate Easter in a secular way, of course. And it has been associated with flowers and bunnies and new clothes and eggs and symbols of new and renewed life for many, many centuries. And why not? For we, through Jesus, experience new life in His resurrection. <clears throat> All of eschatology is divided into two great epics. All that came before Jesus' time on earth, all the prophets, all the sages, the covenant with the people of Israel, is but preparation for this day. We know the beauty that God intended for us in creation. Jesus, the only eternal Word of God, was the instrument that God chose to render the creation. But because of our downfall, all of humanity became subject to evil, and death entered the picture. And God sent Jesus, His eternal Son, to make us whole again. Because of our sinful natures, our imperfections, we could not approach God, who is perfect. But Jesus, the sinless and perfect Son of God, the Word, God incarnate in the flesh, willingly sacrificed Himself for us and made there a full and perfect and sufficient sacrifice for all the sins of all humanity for all time. And made possible for us to have an eternal association with God. He took our imperfections and he reconciled us to God. And that thing we call hell, that is eternal separation from God, was brought low by his action for us. Thanks be to God. He has completed his reconciliation of humanity to God by overcoming death itself. He is resurrected from the dead. He offers us eternal life with the Father. So we are liberated forever from our fear of death. We are liberated forever from our sin and our gross imperfections. Certainly nothing could make us more joyful or more thankful on this day. And all we have to do to accept this remarkable and indescribable gift is to believe on Him. But on this happy Easter morning, I want you to be aware of the resurrection in yet another way, in another sense. We know that when the last day comes, those of us who are believers will be resurrected, even as Jesus was resurrected, and we will be with God forever. But Jesus told us that the kingdom of God is at hand. 
And although the disciples did not fully understand what this meant, it is now clear to all believers. We don't have to wait for the next life. We don't have to wait for the world to come. We can experience the resurrection in the here and in the now. We experience not only by the joy and release we feel, but we experience the resurrection when we live the Christian moral life as Jesus has commanded us. The Christian moral life is about being like Jesus, about following in His holy ways. In this way we glorify the Father and we honor the memory of Jesus until He comes again. Now Jesus went about the countryside in ancient Israel preaching the Word, healing the broken, and caring for the neglected and downtrodden of society. Jesus was not so much about the powerful and the prominent. He was more about the sick and the lame and those who were despised and left on the margins of society. And so when we reach out, as we are famous to do here at St. Peter's, indeed our whole denomination is famous for this, when we reach out in a similar way, to minister to those who are hurting for some reason, then we live the life that Jesus intended, and we experience with Him the resurrection, and we glorify His name. Jesus was not about condemnation. Jesus was about forgiveness. Jesus was about reconciliation. Jesus was about bringing together those who were separated by some earthly grievance or some kind of strife. And Jesus was very quick to forgive, even as he has forgiven us all in our imperfection. And so when we forgive others, and that's very, very difficult at times, when we give up our petty concerns and grievances, when we truly in our heart of hearts forgive others, even as God has forgiven us, we live the life that Jesus intended, and we experience the resurrection. Jesus always stood on the side of what was right and just and beautiful. He stood for righteousness and moral conduct in all phases of life, in relations to others, in our relations to our family, in our relations with society at large. And so when we take a moral stand against evil and oppression and wrongdoing, no matter what the source and no matter what the cost to ourselves in worldly terms, then we live the life that Jesus intended and we experience with him the renewal of the resurrection. Jesus was humble. He was humble even to the point of allowing himself to be crucified like a common criminal. He did it for our sake. So when we exercise humility, when we forego arrogance and pride, then we are living the life that Jesus intended for us. And we experience His glorious resurrection through the renewal of our minds and our spirits. Now because we cannot merit the wonders of His grace, because we can never deserve the riches that the Father has laid up for us, because we are utterly dependent on His mercy, then the only way for us to express our thanks and gratitude 
is by glorifying His name through obedience to His commandments. And on the night before He gave Himself up for us, Jesus gave us a new commandment. This new commandment was that we love one another even as He has loved us. That's perhaps the most difficult commandment of all to obey. It's just really very, very hard to love some people. We've all experienced that. But Jesus gave us no choice. There's no qualification. Jesus didn't give us an out or a way to avoid it. We are not only to love the people that are in our circle of friends. We're not only to love the people with whom we agree. We're not only to love the people who are like us or believe as we do. But Jesus includes everybody. We must love one another. And by this the world knows that we are Christians. And by this we experience the resurrection and our own renewal. And in this way we bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. And we know that God seeks those to worship Him truthfully and spiritually. Our God, the great three-in-one, the one-in-three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the God of all, commands that we, like Jesus, worship with fidelity and regularity. In a few moments, you will be invited to worship of the table here at the chancel rail before the altar of God. And we will pray that the Holy Spirit will be present with us. And as members of the Great Anglican Communion, what our presiding Bishop Michael has called the Episcopal Branch of the Jesus Movement, as members of this communion, we are assured by our faith that Jesus himself is present in the holy mysteries of the Holy Eucharist. We will encounter the risen Jesus in the bread of heaven and in the cup of salvation. And therein we will experience the resurrection anew. And so on this happiest of mornings, on this day when our Lord overcame sin and death for us, on this day when we celebrate the risen Jesus, I invite you to leave behind all your doubts and fears and reservations and experience new life in Him. Thanks be to God. Amen.